Welcome to Song Talk Radio, and happy 2024 to our listeners. Oh, so long. This, this is the show of songwriters talking to other songwriters about the craft of songwriting. Still, we share tips, yeah. tools, and techniques, and together we'll become better at writing songs. I'm your host, Neil Modi, and with me, my co-host, Phil Emery. Happy New Year, Phil. How are you? Happy New Year, Neil. Gee, I haven't seen you all year. Uh, ah, so we met the other day, didn't we, over Zoom? Uh, well, <laughs> you don't, don't tell people how the sausage is made. No, no. Uh, the veggie don't sausage. Behind the content. Don't no, look no. behind the curtain. Behind the curtain, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or look behind the content. <laughs> yes. Or go to sontalk.ca and see the content. Yes, you can. Yeah. Indeed. There's lots of content there. Are you kidding? Yeah. Ten years worth. Yes. So, yeah. Yes, that's right. We're going to be going into our 10th year. Yes, we are. We are, we are already in, in our 10th year. That's right. Yeah. And, and while you're there on the website, you can send your comments and questions to at Song Talk Radio on Facebook or Instagram or feedback at songtalk.ca for the email. We'll share your thoughts on the show. Um, please visit songtalk.ca to see show posts for this episode and to links, find links to the resources we mentioned and all the great stuff for every episode. Um, tonight, Phil and I are just doing a little catch-up, and uh, we're going to talk about our musical activities over the holidays, new discoveries, miracles, and give a little sneak preview of our 2024 songwriting challenge, so stay tuned for that. Um, why don't you kick off the festivities, Phil, with your uh, holiday news? Ah, well, this was not really songwriting-related, uh, but I, I thought it was sort of an interesting um, story. We have... Uh, new neighbors um, who've moved in next door, and nice. they are from the Congo. Oh. Refugee family of a couple, and uh, there's seven kids. Wow. And uh, yeah, so it's been really fun. They moved in just before Halloween, and we sort of introduced them to Halloween, which I realize <laughs> now is a very bizarre custom. <laughs> I'm kidding, eh? <laughs> they were just kind of going, so you go up to the stranger's house, and they give you, they give you candy why yeah. it was uh it was very odd but um so heather and i were thinking well maybe we should you know invite them over for christmas dinner but the problem is we kind of looked at you know our what we had and we actually don't have enough chairs and you know mm. plates and all that so we thought well let's invite them over in the afternoon for you know like uh, some snacks and a, a cup of eggnog something <laughs> uh really kind of light yeah so uh, we had a Christmas party uh, a couple weeks before Christmas Day for our street, which is going quite well. And this is uh, just another uh, indication that if you want to create a community, sometimes you're the one who has to start it. Yeah. So we're starting to turn our street into this kind of fun little place. Our our neighbor and uh, his, his wife came over for, uh, you know, Christmas drinks. They're wonderful people, but his wife only speaks French. Oh, wow. They actually speak primarily French, so the uh -huh. Canadian government, you know, had them move to Newfoundland because, you know, when, like, most people speak French, that's where you want to be. Okay. But apart from that, uh, so his, uh, his, his English is quite good, but um, his wife doesn't really speak any English at all, but thankfully, Heather does. Uh-huh. Right. So she was having a little conversation and, you know, kind of said, well, what do you do for uh, for Christmas? Because they have a very different culture. And, and then we mentioned that we wanted to have them come over for, a, you know, a, a snack on, on Christmas afternoon. 
And then at Christmas Eve, um, we thought, well, maybe we should find out what time they want to come over for, you know, a, a cup of eggnog on Christmas Day. And this was at about nine o'clock. So she sends a text to um, the husband, and the husband replies with saying, "Oh, we, uh, oh, uh, Heather also mentioned that we, like, we didn't want to be imposing. So perhaps they were just being polite. Like maybe they want to just spend time with their family at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, they're meeting with other people from the church. We don't really know. So we said, you know, but if you don't want to come, if you know, if you can't make it, that's perfectly fine. You know, have no problems uh, if you don't want to come by." And they replied with, oh, no, uh, we're very excited. The kids can't wait. No. Um, wait, please make chicken, potato, uh, potatoes, and rice and beans. So they were under the impression that they were coming over for Christmas dinner. Yes. And this was the first year that we, uh, we don't have a huge, we don't have a huge refrigerator. So we've always... And if we got a big turkey, we had to store it at our neighbor's place and all that. So this time we just got a small turkey that would fit in our fridge. So at nine o'clock on Christmas Eve in St. John's, when basically everything is closed, we find out that we have nine people coming over (laughs) for Christmas dinner and we don't have enough chairs and we certainly don't have enough food. So we start freaking out, trying to figure out what we were going to do. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to this podcast because we don't really want to let him know what happened. So we made some calls to some people, you know, in the city and they brought over potatoes and carrots. We had uh, the family bring over some chairs because they didn't have enough chairs. And um, we managed to put together a, a Christmas dinner for 11 people, even though we thought it was just going to be us two. Wow. And you know, 8.30 on Christmas Eve. Um, <laughs> so we had to scramble a bit and try, you know, get and dig some chicken from a, out from our freezer and stuff like that. But it was <laughs> um, it was kind of fun and the kids were wonderful. They actually sat around playing the piano and singing Christmas uh, carols. It was oh, quite cool. wonderful. Yeah. Wow. So that was very unusual. And we figured out what happened was in Heather's very fine French, really, um, she was asking the wife, what do you make for Christmas? Yeah. And I think what she heard was, what can we make? What can we make for you? Yeah, yeah. For you, Christmas. So that was, oh, right. so Christmas Day was actually kind of a little bit hectic, but we managed to pull it off and it was, a, and it was a lot of fun. That's amazing. Well, because the kids so cool. had never experienced Christmas crackers, which, of course, is a very British and Canadian thing. I don't think it's done actually in the U.S. Yeah, I, I, I admit I didn't I didn't know about it till I got together with Emma and um, and like her family's half from England. So it was very much a thing for them. Right. <laughs> so she, and the first time I was like Christmas crackers, like what you put cheese on them and eat them like what? What's <laughs> so special about Christmas crackers? <laughs> A very strange uh, custom, but they, uh, the kids were kind of fun with that, and they thought yeah, it was really cool. They weren't sure about our food. Um, mm. It was it was a fine Christmas Christmas holiday. How about yourself? It was very very low key and and chill. We literally just spent it with family and not much family at that <laughs> at that because oh. uh, you know my 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 in laws are overseas in India still, and. Um, 
you know, we went, we, we, we saw my parents after they got back from India a few days before Christmas. And then, you know, Christmas proper, we just spent with um, my brother-in-law and, and our niece. And, um, you know, it was just a, it was just a nice sort of quiet, chill time. That sounds quite wonderful. Did you buy yourself any Chris, musical Christmas gifts? Well, like I was just saying before we went online, I've, I, um, I, I bought a new uh, Zoom recorder. Um, oh, nice. Which is a fun little thing. I had, I had a Zoom uh, recorder that lasted me about 10 years. And uh, it's, it, it's not really going on the fritz, but it's starting to go on the fritz. Switches mm. and things like that, which I'm fully aware I can probably get fixed. <laughs> but I just thought I'd treat myself over the holidays and picked up a, a, a you know, a, a new one that uh, has better microphones and and has XLR inputs, where my other one never had XLR inputs. Very still, nice. Still a four-channel one, but, you know, sometimes I go and uh, help singer-songwriters in the city and record their shows for them, and it's nice to be able to pull, pull a line from the from the mixing board in the room in the in the venue and get a direct line to mix in with the live room sound oh, um, right, in post and because because it's four channels it's all discrete separate recordings so you can blend it in um, as you like in, in, in post very nice and, um, you know so it's a, it's, a, it's a handy little thing to have and and in fact i was using my old zoom recorder and i'm using my new, new one for this podcast every time so that's this is my go-to microphone for meetings and things like that as well so it's a pretty handy thing that's that's great. And Zoom, uh, those Zoom recorders are fantastic for recording bands. Because yeah. you can really set the gain down low and often if your bands are loud, yeah. which if you're practicing, you shouldn't be practicing loud, but if you happen to, um, they handle that volume very well. So yeah, well, well you're talking to a drummer. You can't tell a drummer to not be loud. That's true. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a paradox that'll destroy the universe. That is your job, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I also play piano too. I just can't play drums, piano. You know what I mean? You could. You could play drums with one, with your feet, and then have a keyboard and, and just play it with one hand. I see. Try to try to make a joke. You know, you know the the dynamics in sheet music is piano, mezzo piano, mezzo uh, forte. I'm saying I can't play drums, piano. Ah, uh, I see. That's what's known as a deep cut. I think. <laughs> it's a deep cut. It's a musical joke. Come on. <laughs> I should put it with Italian accent. Don't have drums piano. Yeah, yeah. So in yeah, other news we've um, so in, in in my the band and I'm in in Bay Shelter. Um, we're finally finally. I'm just talking about this for like years on the podcast every now and again. We're finally getting the ball rolling on some of these uh, recording projects, mm-hmm. and I've kind of I've kind of just naturally dropped into de facto producer. Just mm-hmm. wasn't even. Wasn't even declared that way. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think about how we're gonna do these things, and and just before the holidays and a little bit over the holidays as well, I I, I started doing these. I just started setting up templates um, for each song, right? Mm. And and I started I started this exercise where like I mean this is a guitar band and I don't play guitar, right? So I just like loaded up the chord sheet that we have for one of the songs, played in you know piano chords. I could just block chords to a metronome. And set up the thing and set up a couple of drum loops and 
and and then we have a structure to record to, right? All all, all the tracks I'm recording are strictly demos. Are going to be eliminated at the end of the day, but at least it's a, a structure and a thing to go to. And then I, then I thought to myself on the first song that I did, I thought to myself, well, just as an exercise for myself, because I'm always trying to work on you know developing my ear. And let me just listen to one of the rehearsal recordings, one of the concert recordings we had, and see if I can figure out um, Addie's melody, his vocal melody. Right, so it's just like I pop the melody in there, so to give anybody who's playing on the track, when Tom is recording his bass, or I'm even recording live drums or whatever, I have. It's nice to have the vocals in there, or at least a melody in there, to know where you are in the song and, and give it some feeling, right? And so I, I listened to the recording and, and and played around on my keyboard and figured out the melody, and I played in the melody in MIDI, and then I thought, well. I've got that virtual singing software. Why don't I just throw one of these virtual singers on it? I've got the MIDI. It's like literally two oh, clicks right. later, and I can just throw one of these voices on it. And I'm like, okay, this sounds kind of cool, actually. And then I sent the demo to the guys, and, and Addy was actually like very grateful because he was like, this, this actually gives me like a really solid melody to follow. Right, because he can be a little experimental when you when we're playing live, and melodies kind of you know drift a little bit that way. But this kid, yeah. this game actually gave him like a solid, you know, rigid thing to be like, this is the way the melody should go. And it's just like, okay, this is pretty cool. So I'm gonna I've done that for three demos already for a recording project. I'm just gonna continue to do that. And sometimes I use a virtual guitarist as well to sort of put in a guitar riff. <laughs> or oh, that's just really cool. Simple strumming, but I think you know and. You know, and some of the songs are fixed tempo and some of the songs are, are drifting tempo. And it's just a matter of, you know, evaluating each one and sort of figuring out what might be best and kind of Very you know, going, fun. going with that thing. So, you know, the next steps are I'm going to get together with, um, you know, our old, uh, our old partner in crime on the on the on the podcast. Don Thompson has a great home studio and um, I'm going to be probably be going over to his studio to record live drums and um oh that'll be fun yeah so after you do the drums um do you still have to do overdubs for for all the um yeah parts or oh yeah okay oh yeah so yeah like like, like i said like the things i'm putting in midi drum loops and piano just chords or virtual guitar strumming chords although all that's gonna go away mm. at the end of the day it's just a it's just a template it's just a structure for us to record to and once Tom gets his bass in there, get my drums in there, then we got a good foundation. I may even ask Tom to join me for the drum sessions just so we can play together. It might be nicer. That that's great because also it gets it done. That's the other thing too. Just <laughs> has been a sticking point for us. <laughs> well, you know that is the biggest problem with having a recording studio in your home mm -hmm. is that you just you work on stuff and then you go no. Hmm. And then you work on something else or you get distracted. Whereas in the old days, when you would go into a studio for a weekend, all you did for those two days was just record because that's yeah. all you could afford. And you'd often would try to get, you'd try to get some kind of a mix, um, a final mix at the end of the, the second day at, you know, like two in the morning. It was yeah. a tough go, but it, you actually got something done. Yeah, very true. Very true. And, and I'm even talking to the guys about like, like we need to start thinking of our rehearsal sessions as pre-production sessions, right? Like really figure out every little bits of yeah. these songs and how the guitar parts are going to go and how every single note is going to 
is going to work inside them and then record those little bits so that we have them for reference and then when we do get into my studio or Don's studio or wherever we're going to be doing the final recording we know exactly what we're doing and you just blast through it and you're good are you going to try to track all the songs before you do a me- any final mix or are you going to try to get one done probably yeah that's a good question i don't i don't know yet i don't know yet I don't even know if I want to do the mixing. I may hand the mixing over to Tom or something. I don't know. Or somebody else. <laughs> Sometimes that can be the wise, uh, the wise move because you, otherwise you get caught up and get distracted by things that, you know, like uh, someone who's fresh to it wouldn't. Yeah, so it's a little too close, right? Yeah. And you've been listening to that stuff for a long time. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And I know those songs inside and out now, so it's like... <laughs> <laughs> That'll be good. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a good little project, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, sometime this year we'll manage to have some some stuff on the on the streams. Yeah, um, as for me, I've just been um, trying to finish things off. This is I don't really do resolutions, but something that people have been saying for the last couple of years is to coming up with a theme. So, what is the mm. theme of your year uh, going to be? Oh yeah, and uh, so I think my year is is trying to finish off projects. I have no end of creative ideas and for all sorts of things like writing and, and, and theater and, <laughs> and music. That's not the problem. The problem is actually finish, finishing them. So that's my goal is to finish stuff off. And I've, I have finished things off and I've actually done a couple of things I've wanted to do. I've, re-rec- I've remixed some old songs that I you know, did back you know, in the early 2000s. You know, now that I feel I know a little bit more about uh, mixing. And so I'm trying to get that done. Because last, you know, with the move and just getting used to the, the new house and the new city, it's, um, it's been a, I haven't done as much as I necessarily would like to. So I'm hoping to kind of do more things in the next year. So that's my theme. I don't know if you think of the new years in terms of themes, Neil. Not really. Just kind of maybe set some goals on a smaller scale than the year (laughs) and uh, and sort of chip away at those things. I mean, because I figure, I don't know, I figure things are going to change six months down the road anyway. (laughs) Priorities, whatever. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah, resolutions. Yeah, it's it's sort of resolutions. If you're going to resolve to do something, just do it. Why wait for January? Yeah, and well, and for me, January has never felt like a new year. For me, um, September is always the new year. Yeah, September is very much a, a restart for a lot of things. So it, yeah, yeah, at least for me, it, it feels is. Like, so. Yeah, I remember you, you sent me a couple of your new your revised mixes, some of your older songs the other day. Yeah, thank you for listening to that because yeah, yeah, you're no not worries. sure of what you hear because you're going, well, I think it sounds okay, but I thought it might be a bit harsh, but you were saying it was okay. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it sounded great to me. It sounded great. It was very well balanced and stuff. The 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 the, the big challenge for me in terms of in terms of production right now is the live drums thing. Oh you know, right, because I'm, I'm I'm kind of working with Don. He's doing most of the tech stuff, but like, like I was actually at his studio a couple of weeks ago, and he, he reset up his drum kit in a much simpler fashion with fewer mics. He used to have like 17 mics on this thing, and he's got like four, uh-huh. and um. You know, and 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 we're, we're kind of working together. Although he's doing most of the heavy lifting as far as mic placement and all that sort of stuff. But you know, but it's a little bit of tweaking about getting getting the right sound and then mixing live drums. Wow, <laughs> it's a whole other bag of. It is really. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, it's well, not as easy as, as, as one of those plugins where everything sounds perfect right out of the gate. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's there's a lot of uh, futzing and and you can go go so deep. And in a lot of ways, I'm I'm glad he's going with like four mic setup as opposed to seventeen because that just gets a little unwieldy. Well, some of the there are classic tunes that we uh, all love were recorded with you know you know one or four mics on the drum and and yeah. you know that that's just fine. Back in the uh, '90s, I was working with this. But there's a lot of people in the music industry who are just bat crap crazy. <laughs> This one guy wanted us to do recording the drums one pass at a time. Oh, you told me about this. Yes, you just, just do the bass drum, then you just do the snare, and then you just do the hi-hat, because it all had to be... Separation was a big thing, because in the 80s, everything had to be super clean and yeah, yeah. And, and super dead because of that. And it was... That's, it did not come out well, and it did not no, sound good. And no. it was just... took forever, and I was going like, you know what's great? Playing the drums. Oh my god! So that's that's the exact opposite, and you don't want to do that. No, no, good lord! Like I'll punch in some stuff. I'll you know be recording with Don, and I'll be like, I kind of flubbed that fill, or I can do that fill better. Yeah. Let's just let's just you know delete every like the whole set. <laughs> yeah. It's not just the snares, not just whatever. Just let, let me play through it again, and then you just you just punch in the whole thing. But like, yeah, that's yeah. That, that whoever you work with there had no concept of what drumming means. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, it was it was an odd time. There was a lot of hairspray. There was a lot of hair gel. <laughs> it's like there's some drugs involved. <laughs> no, there wasn't actually. It was well, no? very clean. But uh, okay. yeah, there was lots of, you know, I had very tall hair back then. So <laughs> as, was the, as was the style of my people. Yeah, and you you discovered something, uh, some new toy from uh, Apple that's coming out, eh? Or has it come out already? We talk about something that's kind of interesting for anyone who creates media or um, um, stuff that we want people to buy, and that's um, Apple's new Vision Pro immersive goggles, I guess, what you'd call them. Mm-hmm. So it's it's version one, so it's very expensive. It uh, retails at $3,499 US, um, which is 4700 and change Canadian. Yeah. Which seems like a lot. But, you know, back in the day, computers were often, like my first Mac was 3000 bucks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back in the day, things were more expensive. It's supposed to be an immersive computing experience and... Um, it's these goggles and you can use your like hand gestures to move things on the screen. I don't know what to think about it. When I, I remember seeing the uh, original iPhone when it first came out and I knew Steve Jobs had hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be a massive success. This, I just don't get. I can't, they're, they're saying that people should be able to, that people are going to want to do like spreadsheets and their day-to-day work on it, but I wouldn't want to wear goggles for eight or nine hours a day. Hmm. And, I, and then I was thinking, well, it might be fun to to experience, you know, like very immersive concerts. As far as I know, I think it's only visual. So I think you, if you wanted to get like immersive audio, you would have to add headphones to it. I don't know. Neil, have you had a chance to look at it? No, I took a quick look at it. I didn't really take a deep look at it. I, 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 yeah, and most of the stuff I saw was like, yeah, productivity stuff. 
and and like you was like really you want to do a spreadsheet for nine hours wearing this thing because to be honest my, my my first thought when i saw that was like like i'm getting older my eyesight is starting to go a little bit right and one one of the things an optometrist told me is that if you know like like if you're staring at your monitor for too long like every you know 20 minutes or whatever it is you should actually look away you know refocus your eyes on something further away do you know a little bit of blinking like deliberate blinking and then you know for a minute or whatever and then come back to your screen so the whole conception of putting these goggles on <laughs> and and focusing on on that one thing visually for like you know hours upon hours it seems yeah it seems a little seems a little much well not only that but you have to you have to get it fit. You have to actually have this thing fitted to you, as far as I understand. Oh, so you can't even share it with anybody. Yeah, well, if you have to wear glasses, or um, well, probably, probably is okay with contact, but if you have to wear glasses, you actually have to buy lenses in your prescription for this as well. So oh, add another thousand dollars to that. <laughs> yeah, so it just seems really unwieldy. I mean, there is every now and then they like. 3D TV comes back, you know, and they try to make yeah. 3D TV a thing. And yeah. it was, and they sold a bunch of these things. I remember going, well, this is going to be awkward because it's it's hard to experience something like that with lots of different people. Mm-hmm. If you have a beautiful TV, you can watch a movie with your family in front of this beautiful mm-hmm. TV. But this is just, this is an individual experience. Yeah. You know, which might be okay for being on a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, I can't imagine having this on. On my head, I mean, there was uh, Facebook had, uh, I think, a three D goggle thing, and I know Google had. Yeah, Google had three D glass or something at some point, didn't they? Yeah, I don't know what happened to that. Well, I think they all kind of die. It's because mm-hmm. it's like those three D. It's those. It was like the three D television sets. Having to wear glasses to experience something is just kind of a pain for. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if you go into a theater, it's one thing because you're there for a specific purpose. But if you're watching something with your home at home and you're going to get up and get some snacks or yeah. answer the door or something like it just doesn't seem to make sense. So I don't I don't understand what this thing is for. And it's possible that we may not know what it's for mm. for, you know, another four or five years. Mm. Now, I know people who I follow who have had some experience of these things, have not completely poo-pooed it. Hmm. So, I guess, but what's really weird is they have the front of the goggles, it's a little sort of um, image basically of your eyes. So it takes like a little, as a camera that takes a picture of your eyes. So people from out, you know, people looking at you can sort of see your eyes. Really? Yes. That sounds creepy as hell. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's creepy. I would actually prefer if you could put like googly eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be cool. That would be funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I just can't imagine what this would be for. I mean, maybe watching a movie, um, but I can't see doing a lot of work. It's really not my kind of work because I'm doing stuff on 
paper. You know, I'm doing, I'm, I'm jotting things down. I'm going between browsers. I'm yeah. Well, but you, but you you said a few minutes ago, but like something something like like a music concert. Like imagine, you know, you're doing a, a, a you're broadcasting your concert on on Facebook or YouTube or something like that live, and someone's got these goggles, and they put them on, and they can feel so much more like they're in the venue. <laughs> now that would be something, but you have to also add headphones to it. Yes, you do need the sound. Yeah. So, which it just the whole thing seems really unwieldy, and it kind of—I mean, the the goggles themselves kind of look like ski goggles. I don't know. They, they said they're only going to make eighty thousand of them, and they think they're going to sell out. Well, they pay very well. And and it's not it's not a computing system in and of itself. You still need to hook it up to a MacBook or to a iPhone or something. No. Um. Well, I know it has its own OS. Okay. No, I think it actually is a computer in and of itself. Okay. So you could take that yourself by itself to your office or Starbucks yeah. and connect to the Wi-Fi and go. I believe so. And each um, each eye has like a 4K display wow. in front of it. It's really odd. Even going on the Apple Vision Pro website... And they have a bunch of, you know, people doing stuff with it and what it would look like. And it just, it doesn't seem like a pleasant experience to me, but, you know, maybe I'm, <laughs> I, I don't get it. Oh, yes. And also it, um, it has a battery pack and it only lasts two and a half hours. Oh. So you so can only watch a movie or a long see, movie. Not Lord of the Rings. Um, but you, and not one of the new Avengers films or whatever, or Forget Oppenheimer. No. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it remains to be remains to be seen. But yeah, two and a half hours. You're not gonna unless you can plug it in while you're using it. I don't think you can. So you're not you're not gonna spend eight hours. You're not gonna do spreadsheets for eight hours then on that. Yeah, I I understand. This is like a very probably almost like a beta version of the of the technology. And, you know, good on them for, for trying something, I think, this this risky and this far-looking. But I don't think, well, I wouldn't spend 3400 I don't know if I'd spend 3400 bucks on a guitar, frankly. <laughs> I don't think our society needs more isolation. You know, we don't need... Well, there's that, who, yeah. We don't need more people who are not talking to each other. It's kind of the whole problem with everything, so... Yeah. I mean, I would try it. I don't think I'd buy it. I go to the Apple store and try it out. Well, I imagine you, you you probably can, but I mean, you'd probably have to book a session. And, you probably would. <laughs> you know, because they'd have to teach you how to use it. It's not like using a computer because you move things using your, your like hand gestures. Like my, my, my minority report. Kind of like that, but not quite as sort of ape-like arms at the front. <laughs> but, you know, for people who create um, entertainment and music, it... Um, is another platform for us to think about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Could, could be something interesting if it's exploited in, in that way. So, Neil, what platforms do you use to put out your music? You use a few of them, don't you? Like to distribute music? Yeah. Uh, lately, I've been favoring Bandcamp. If I finish a song, I'll throw it on my Bandcamp. Um, that seems to be the go-to. Mostly because I ran out of room on my SoundCloud. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> SoundCloud kept bugging me to buy space and get the pro account. I'm like, ah. 
And yeah. uh, so then, yeah, so then I started uploading to, to Bandcamp, which in some ways seems more, it seems, it feels kind of more official. I still use my SoundCloud for like, if I'm just uploading a sketch or something like that. You know? Interesting. Okay. Um, but when it came to my, when it came to my EP that I did a, a couple years ago, um, geez, four years ago at this point, 2020, <laughs> and um, there I, I had discovered um, a, a free distribution service called RootNote. Um, which distributed to all the stores, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, YouTube Music, um, you know, a whole bunch of other ones, Stitcher and all those guys. Um, and, uh, and the, the, the only, the only caveat was that it was, that it was free, but they would take 15% of any royalties that they collected. Um, and, uh, and it, it did take them, I think, a little bit longer. Like it took almost two weeks to get everything out into stores. Um, whereas some of the other ones, like CD Baby and DistroKid and everything, get set up within days, I guess. Which is the nice thing about Bandcamp when you think about it. You pop it up there, it's there. That's it. <laughs> There's no waiting. <laughs> There's literally no waiting. <laughs> Lyrics, downloads, whatever. It's all there, right? And Bandcamp's free. Bandcamp's free. They, they take a cut if someone buys your track. Right? That's fine. You know, and the other thing with Root Note too is they didn't give like I know what, I know what people who do DistroKid or whatever they they give them like a landing page like a like there's a link tree or whatever link to whatever thing, and 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 when you when the artist shares their release on social media or whatever they just send everyone to that web page because you don't know what what streaming service everyone's listening on so it gives you the whole the links to every single store and then you you pick Spotify you pick Apple you pick whichever one you want and then it takes to their EP or their album on, on that service, right? So that landing page, um, RootNode does not, does not provide that, right? But I'm like, I have my own website. I'll just make my own landing page. <laughs> not an art. <laughs> right? And I did, so done. <laughs> so that was easy. So, you know, it may not be for everyone, but, you know, it, uh, it certainly worked um, for me. And that was called RootKit? RootNote. RootNote, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll put a link in the description. It's, uh, it's it's a good little service, you know. It's pretty easy to use. Yeah. But there, there, I mean, there were a couple of technical things, but I, I suppose that's the case with every service. Like, it never goes perfectly yeah. smoothly, you know. Um, and with Bandcamp, do they have any tools to, like, master or normalize your track if you um, upload them, or do you have to kind of master them? some way i don't think so but everyone seems to be doing that now so i wouldn't be surprised if they do mm. um i know BandLab, the people that create cakewalk my, my daw of choice they have an online mastering thing okay i tried it on one track that i was having a lot of trouble um mastering and it i didn't like what they did um oh, okay it was it was very instructive though that it kind of revealed to me that mastering is just as creative and, a, and subjective a process as, as everything else seems to be. Right? There's, there's no right or wrong way. And it was a very, very dynamic song. It was the verses were really, really quiet and the chorus was quite loud. Oh, early. right. And, um, and it, was, it was just a piano vocal thing, right? But it, mm. was, it was a high contrast and, and, and I wanted to... To reduce that dynamic a little bit, but not too much. And of course, their master went and pumped up the verses super loud. <laughs> so they were almost oh, as loud right. as the chorus. And it's like, you know, like like when I did the when I finally arrived at my master for that song, I think I ended up at minus 14 less. 
Oh, um, right. Theirs ends up at minus 10. <laughs> Quite a difference. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Right. So, you know. But yeah, but there's, I mean, you, you, you Google free online mastering. Good Lord. Right. <laughs> there's so many people out there doing that now. Yeah, and I imagine there's some tools that also will do a probably possible job. Yeah, yeah. I think it depends on what you're sending them. If you send them a pretty conventional pop rock track, probably do just fine. Yeah. Right? Send them something a little bit unusual. That's when you're going to have a little bit of a problem. I mean, you know, and that was the only track I had problem mastering. The rest of them, anything else I was doing, I would do an electro pop thing. It was like, yeah, it's pretty easy. But that one gave me a bit of a headache because I wasn't sure where to... Right. Because you, you, you literally have control over that dynamic difference. How loud do I want the chorus to pop out? How do I want to have it still right. have emotional impact without it being too like in your face, right? All this, all this sorts of questions and how loud is too loud and blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, that is true. Cause you're on a couple of other services too, aren't you? No. Okay. No, I used to be on, shoot, what was that one? I can't remember what it was called now. There was a couple of other ones I used to use mm. years ago. You know, I put myself you, on my I put myself on my YouTube channel too for the hell of it. That's true. Do you notice um, any one like Do you notice SoundCloud or Bandcamp give you more plays? Mm, no, but I do have a, I do have a, a friend of mine from the meetup um, who's actually going to be a guest on our show in a couple of weeks. He's managed to build quite the following on SoundCloud. Like his his tracks that he uploads there he gets he gets hundreds of plays and like lots of comments and stuff which is kind of cool they get the comments in real time along the track and stuff. so soundcloud is pretty cool for that and it's like dude how'd you you know like i, I think i may have even asked him that at some point he's like i just spent a lot of time on there like you gotta comment on other people's you gotta get them um, to follow you back you gotta, yeah. you gotta spend the time and and make it happen right so if you're if you're really invested yeah you know you'll 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 get the you'll get the payback on it um Bandcamp is Bandcamp is weird because I feel like only artists know about it. Who was it? Mm. Who was it? Was it Carmen Toth who was on a show last year who yeah. was complaining about, you know, she had to tell her family members how to download on, and you can't do it. Like what? I, I still I still know why, why you do it on a phone. You get a Bandcamp link on your phone. What you download? You download it to your phone. I don't know how it quite works. I don't using know if up storage download on your phone. things on their phone, or if they just listen to it online. I think most people just stream now. Yeah. And and Bandcamp isn't really built to do that. They they do have the oh. Bandcamp app, I guess, that you can if if you do if you do uh purchase an album on Bandcamp or, or a track, then you can go in and play it unlimited. Um otherwise, like with the new Peter Gabriel album, they I, I tried to listen to it more than three times and it stopped me. It says, now it's time to open thy wallet. It literally says that. Now time to open thy wallet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's well, like, that's pretty cool. Okay. Which is fine. Okay, let's do it three times. Fine. I've, I've decided whether I like it or not. That's okay. <laughs> and then you got to, uh, then you got to pay for it. That's fair, isn't right? it? Which, which is, which is fair enough. Right. But yeah. I think, yeah, I guess you can do that on the app. If you purchase it, you don't have to download it, but you can log into the app anytime. But then, you gotta make sure you're on Wi-Fi or you're chewing up your data or whatever, right? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that's that's coming from me. I I don't like doing stuff on my phone that's even mildly productive. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I'm I'm much the same way. I um I have some productivity apps uh, apps on my phone, but in truth, 
now that I'm not going out and doing meetings all the time, because we just do meetings on Zoom, I don't really need that as much anymore. So yeah, enough. How about you? you I noticed you were you, you sent me some stuff on your SoundCloud last week. But is that um, doing anything else? Yeah, mostly I just I've been uploading everything to uh, SoundCloud. There's a couple of um, uh, Parkdale Hooker songs. One was a, a tune that we never actually ever finished off, so I was able to finish that off, and that was kind cool. of fun. Nice. Because I actually sort of added some things and and, and cool. rearranged it a little bit in a way which I was pretty happy with. Uh, SoundCloud has been pretty good. I'm on SoundCloud Pro, and okay. I, I do that yeah. mostly because it allows me to replace mixes, which oh, I do okay. a lot. So oh, okay. I end up going, oh, maybe I want to change it, or you know, I don't like it. Okay, so it's the same link, it's the same track. Yeah. So you don't um you don't lose plays. Mm-hmm. But what about what about like comments? Like what if someone commented on and say, Yeah, that was a sweet little sound effect you put in there, and then you're updated makes you take out the sound effect. <laughs> That's a good point. I should check that out. Cause I actually there uh there was a couple of tunes that actually did have some comments. I should see if they're still there. I hope they they are. Because there's no the no no way the system knows that the comment refers to a particular thing in the mix that maybe it does or doesn't. Like who knows, right? Yeah, like well, I assume it's just done on a time base. It's just bad time base. So whatever happens at two thirty three, it happens two thirty three. It doesn't know. Yeah. So hopefully, I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't really paid attention to it. But also, um, it gives you I don't know, like three or four tracks you can master. Hmm. through soundcloud and that's kind of handy because it gives you they have like four algorithm algorithms and you can you you choose an area of the track you want to preview and uh you can sort of audition each version of uh the different algorithms Hmm. and then they have a different amount of how much change you um you get done so it's actually pretty like for an online mastering thing and i mean i've had lots of stuff mastered by humans and certainly you know a great mastering engineer can just make your stuff absolutely sing and i don't think this will make your stuff a million times better than it was but it certainly can bring out the best and sort of polish up the rough edges it's well worth it you know for you know um if if you can um afford it and i think i think you can start and stop it you don't have to it's not like you have to do it for a year. It's not like Adobe where you have to sign up for a year, right. um, which is so stupid because yeah. lots of people would do it for two months. Probably more people would do it for two months mm. at a time and just go, oh, I don't need it now. And um, yeah, so I don't know. I've said a lot has been okay. I might uh, do a um, Bandcamp 2 page because, you know, why mm. not? Yeah, why not? doesn't cost anything. It's pretty easy. Apart from time. Mm-hmm. So um, I've started a new uh, collaboration the last couple of weeks, Ooh. which is kind of fun. So a few minutes ago, I was talking about Don, uh, Don Thompson, who was, our, who was our, our tech for the podcast way back in the day. Before, before, times. before times when we needed a tech in the, in the radio station down at uh, Metropolitan Toronto University, formerly known as Ryerson. And um, yeah, so he actually reached out to me um, just after the new year, I think, and he, I think he's he's looking at just expanding his collaboration stuff, right, and just collaborating yeah, with right. a bunch of other people. So he invited me over to his studio 
one day. And the first time we met was a couple days ago with a completely blank slate, right? Like no mm. preconceptions. Although when I walked in the door, he said this is something he's been thinking about lately. So we wrote this sort of um, uh, sort of an anti-consumerist uh, protest song mm. um, together. And and it was really interesting because at the end of it, he, he said... Um, they so said he never would have written a song like that, uh, and you not collaborated with me on it. And it was kind of it's kind of interesting that uh, I jumped on his piano, and uh, and it, 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 the first thing that was interesting that within like a four hour session we had completed a song. Like it was there, there was still some work we needed to do on it, but it was complete. Like it was done. Nice. <laughs> right? We recorded a quick demo of it, and it was like, yeah, this is this is a finished song. It was like pretty impressive. For a, for a quickie little session like that, we collaborated on the lyrics and everything. It was pretty cool. But when I sat down at the piano, I started, okay, so I'm a piano player. So I started coming up with these chord progressions that he never would have done on the guitar. Mm. <laughs> right? I had this little, I had this little vamp that I, that I came up with, just a two chord vamp, A flat major, F major. Okay. Right. Which which sounded really cool. I'm like, this is kind of neat. This, this is definitely our chorus. This is going to be our oh, chorus, yes. at least at least for that, right? And then, um, and then it, towards the end of the session, he grabbed his acoustic guitar. He wasn't using it. He was using it at the beginning, but then when I started going bonzo on the piano, he's like, "Okay, I'm just gonna put away the guitar and just sing, <laughs> right? Mm. <laughs> just try and develop the melody and stuff like that." So I came with all these chords and everything. And then the most interesting thing was when he grabbed his acoustic and and tried to play those those chords that i'd written on the piano and it was really fascinating to see him uh sort of work through different positions on the guitar neck to sort mm -hmm. of make smooth transitions and things yeah. like that so it wasn't too awkward and too jumpy and everything like that and he had to try it a couple of different times it's all right put it here and what if i put it here and what if I put it here and it's like oh yeah okay and when he did that little vamp the a flat to the f he just did just did the bar chords like f f majors of bar chord anyway on the first fret and mm. then up to the was it fourth fret or fifth fret or whatever it is to get the a flat same shape right. so he was just sliding up and down with a little squeak of the guitar and when he did that i'm like now it sounds like nirvana when i was on a piano it sounded like a christmas song he said it sounded like a christmas song when i was okay. doing it on on the piano and as soon as he started going on guitar i'm like now it sounds like nirvana this is really cool really cool yeah yeah so really neat right so we're we're, we're kind of we're kind of at the point now and then a couple of days later, like I came up with a little bridge and I and I and I recorded a quickie little thing in 20 minutes and sent it to him. And he was like, this is great. And then he nice. just the other day he, he wanted to insert a pre-chorus. So I came up with the pre-chorus, but then he came up with the pre-chorus at the same time. <laughs> kind of nice. probably gonna end up going with his. So it's kinda it's kinda cool. Like we're just kind of we're just kinda the, the, the amazing thing too is that like even though we finished a pretty good draft of it the first time out, we're still pushing it. Mm to try and make it better and to try and do some more interesting things with it. And, and, and then, and because we're both producers, we're going to have a riot. <laughs> oh yeah. Guitars and basses and drums and all the, all the rest of the things and all that sort of stuff. We're just going to have a lot of fun with that, I think. So it'll, it'll, it'll be pretty cool. Now, will you be collaborating like in your home studios? Like, um, yeah. So how will you deal with that? Because he works in logic and you work in, yeah, we can send MIDI back and forth too. Like I said, when I, when I did the little bridge, I sent him the MIDI for my piano because I recorded right. MIDI at his place on his right. piano. He tried to insert it. It didn't quite work. So I'm like, forget it. Let's just play the whole thing through. And again, it's just easier. 
Right, right. <laughs> right. So it, it is a little clunky like that. It was really a tempo thing that was the difference. Oh, okay. It wasn't the fact that it was, it was the MIDI was bad or anything like that. The MIDI was fine. It's just MIDI. Right. But you just send wave oh, okay. files back and forth. It's not a big deal. Like I've recorded drums at his place. He just exports the waves and drop them in. I've uh, done some collaboration with other people, and the other person happened to use the same DAW as I do, which is Cubase. Yeah, which is pretty uh, handy. He's on Windows, and I'm on, on Mac, and it was it went fine between those yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. As long as you got the tempo and everyone starts at zero yeah. for their exporting, you're fine. Even if, the, even if it's just the guitar solo, it doesn't start until measure 73, export it from zero, leave two and a half minutes of silence, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that way, when the guitar solo starts, it starts in the right spot. <laughs> That's great. It's, it sounds like uh, you've got some good, uh, good chemistry there, too. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a swell guy, and, and we have... Yeah. I, think, I think we kind of have similar sensibility and, sense, and similar sense of humor and similar... Yeah. Like, you know, that, that which really helps. So, you know, we have the same kind of view on things and whatever. It's, it's, you know, it's always good to work with someone what like that. What style is this song in? Is it a... Well, he, the, way, the, way he's, the way he suggested it, he says, since, since it's an anti-consumer song about Black, Day, Black Friday shopping and all that sort of stuff, we should have a two-for-one deal. Because my piano version, we're going to put sleigh bells on it, and it's become a Christmas song <laughs> about anti-shopping. Yeah. And um, and the other one is going to be a you know straight down the middle rocker guitar bass and drums kind of oh cool rocker song so you know he's, he's calling it the what do you call it yeah, I think the last version he sent me called the Dirty Friday edition <laughs> and Dirty Friday version and then the other one will be the, the Christmas spirit that is so <laughs> cool <laughs> and we're actually gonna this weekend there's um there's a cool little open mic just down the street from me on Young Street there Young and Eglinton. And um, called the Function Bar, and the guy there is a really cool, um, a young guy there who hosts the meetup. Really friendly and really accommodating, and everyone just jumps on stage and, and mm. joins other people. There's a really cool saxophone player that shows up there, oh, nice. and um, and my friend Nabil from the meetup. He joined us for our 10 year um, uh, anniversary uh, episode yes. back then. He's he seems to be there every week. <laughs> oh, fantastic! And, and he's 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 got a whole cadre of people on a WhatsApp chat. Um, that go that, that share open mic information with each other and kind of oh very nice and stuff like that so i met a few few of the people that he's that he's commandeered into his group and stuff like that so it's pretty cool but but the, the anyway the plan is don and i are going to go there on sunday and perform the piano version because <laughs> they have oh, a piano on stage cool. <laughs> and perform the piano version because usually i go there and just take my drumsticks and and the yeah. host says oh yeah back me up on drums i backed up nibiel on drums for a couple of his songs i'll probably back up don if he wants to do a couple songs there his own oh brilliant you know, like completely unheard. Like you just, you never heard the yeah. song before and just jump on and do it. Oh, yeah. that's, that's great. That's, that's the best way of doing it too. You know, you just go out and have some fun. Yeah. Yeah. Nabil says he sometimes he'll grab the bass and he's actually a pretty good bassist. I've only just known him to play guitar, but he's like, this is the best way to learn bass is just jump on and someone yeah. else's song. You don't know it and just learn it on the spot and do it. Yeah. Right. And he's like, I've become, a, I've become a better bass player just by showing up at open mics and playing bass. <laughs> that is like, fantastic. <laughs> amazing. What great fun. Yeah, it's interesting because I've never heard of most of the open mics that I have gone to. It's usually just one person comes up and they do the song and the next person comes up and does the yeah. song. I never, yeah. I haven't been at one where someone will join, 
you know, someone else, which I think is like a really cool idea. Yeah, yeah. It, it still is the thing. It's, it's still that person's, that person is still the front person for whatever yeah. song. But, you know, sometimes they will invite people. Sometimes someone will just grab the tambourine and go, you know, whatever. <laughs> I gotta love the tambourine. <laughs> it's all good. But yeah, it's been, it's, it's, been, it's been a great thing. And it's literally a seven minute walk from my house. So it's no, no sweat for me to go there. <laughs> That's very nice. There is nothing that is seven minutes away from, <laughs> from me, apart from the post off, post box. No, the post box, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's, mm-hmm. yeah, there's nothing mm-hmm. seven minutes away walk. Cool, cool. Yeah, well, that's right. really cool. Mm-hmm. And speaking of uh, holiday songs. <laughs> oh, yes. So as a, as a little sneak preview and coming right out of the holidays, the better time, no, no, no time like the present to announce this. Um, so our songwriting challenge for 2024, folks, is going to be to write a holiday song. Yes. And it's, it's, only, it's only something that I've learned after joining this podcast and the meetup and stuff that many holiday songs are written in the winter, in the spring, in the summer. Like none of yes. them are written after, you know, the first week of December. <laughs> Yeah, most of them are written in the middle of summer. Right. So so we're going to get an early start. <laughs> and I'll admit, the Christmas songs that I've written over the past few years, I've always written them, you know, I've started them at the earliest, maybe late November. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always a last minute thing for me. So this will be this will be a fun thing for me to start thinking about one, you know. 11 months in advance. Well, this was a nice one because I initially thought that our uh, songwriting challenge will be, I think, a different, it was a different time signature than you view worked. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which, is still a, which is still a very worthy one to do. <laughs> it is, it is, but I think it would be definitely a, a bigger challenge for for those of us like myself who, who, who tend to not work in anything other than four or four, mm-hmm. not because I don't love stuff that's not in 4-4, four four, it's just I don't happen to think that way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've written a couple of holiday tunes. And, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I haven't written in one for a while, so that should be mm-hmm. kind of fun. But, but we'll, we'll certainly bring this up on the podcast. Maybe we'll do an episode or two early on in the year. Um, talking you know talking about holiday songs or you know get one of our former guests on who's, who's a pretty good holiday songwriter and see you know what we can yeah and and really try to figure out what makes you know a great and, and a classic holiday song like which ones which ones do last and which ones don't you know come and go like fairytale new york is considered to be a standard not terribly christmasy but it's not <laughs> it's not christmas unless i hear that song yeah is that about it, Neil? I think that's about it. We've rambled on for long enough. I think, <laughs> I think we've done more than enough. <laughs> <laughs> that is all the time we have on Song Talk Radio. Uh, special thanks to our calendars for letting us know that it's 2024. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. And uh, we want to hear from you. So please send your comments, uh, Facebook or Instagram, to at Song Talk Radio. Uh, send us an email, feedback at songtalk.ca. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube channel for live performance videos and full episodes and subscribe today to the Song Talk Radio podcast on your favorite podcast provider. You can find links to all the products, books, and web services and things we mentioned on the show on our resources page on the website. And please join us our next monthly Song Talk meetup, whether you're in Toronto for in-person meetups or anywhere in the world for our online meetups. It's free to join on meetup.com and free to attend. Bring a song and a lyric sheet and get constructive feedback from other songwriters. Stop by 
songtalk.ca for the link over to the meetup. And uh, FYI, everybody, all the meetups for 2024 are now um, posted on the meetup page. So go ahead and check them out and save the dates. Um, you can follow me at neilmodi.com. You can follow Phil at celebrity.ca. And be sure to stop by the website, songtalk.ca, to browse past shows and find out how you can be a guest. Thanks for tuning in, and keep on writing! Happy 2024! Happy New Year! Uh-oh. Here comes the credit card bill. <laughs> <laughs>